Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. One issue I keep bumping into is how do I structure a good, strong, high-impact mentalism show without the effects starting to seem redundant and repetitive to the audience? So, slightly different, <laughs> we've actually decided to start today's podcast with a question from one of you lovely podcast listeners. You know, Rick sent this question to us and we thought it's such a fantastic, fantastic thing that we really need to talk about it. We really need to address this on the podcast, but there's so much to talk about, Aiden, that we decided we can't cram it just into one episode. So we're actually going to talk about it on next week's episode as well. And guys, if this is the first time of you listening to our awesome podcast, we are The Successful Mentalist. This is our podcast. Do consider hitting the subscribe button. My name's Ashley Green, but of course, I am only one half of this awesome podcast because I'm joined by none other than my best friend, an amazing co-host that is Aidan O'Sullivan. Woo! Uh, I'm kind of disappointed that the uh, continuity flopped there. For long-time listeners, you'll notice, well, even short-term listeners, in fairness, that uh, last week I got a nice little intro sound from Ashley and... Uh, this week, where's it gone? Where's it gone? You didn't like my intro music last time. I'm not going to give you any more. You had your chance. You ruined it. You 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 ripped into it. You said, "Ah, oh, I was shocked. It was awful." And uh, and you've lost your opportunity there, Aiden. So you now only get introducers. Aiden O'Sullivan. No intro jingles. No songs. That's it. Well, isn't that uh, mildly upsetting? But anyway, you're not here to listen to us whinging about actually making weird sounds as an intro uh, instead you're here to listen to us answer rick's question so as as actually mentioned we've split it into two episodes because we thought about it for quite a long time and we brainstormed a load of different thoughts and perspectives and we noticed that it was all coming into two different really clear sort of dimensions so the first half of rick's question is asking about a strong high impact mentalism show how, how do we, how do we first of all create that and then the second part was actually making sure that it's not redundant or repetitive or pointless. That's the bit that we're going to focus on today. How to actually make sure that your magic and mentalism shows don't feel redundant, repetitive, pointless. They actually feel good and engaging because they're really, really important. So that's what we're working on today. We're talking today about specifically variety because it's variety that is going to fix so many different problems involved with actually the the redundancy and the repetitive nature so Ashley could you perhaps give us a little bit of an overview in terms of what do we mean by variety and and what does that actually look like doing things differently mixing it up for example I think Rick I think you've asked that question and a lot of you ask this question often in your mentalism routines because mentalism at the crux of it what are we doing an hour two hour show put together Excuse me, madam, could you think of something? Pick up your notepad and pen, write down your sharpie marker. Is this what you was thinking? And then literally every other trick in between seems to, that's all it is. 
when you think about it, Aiden, a lot of a lot of effects on the market, a lot of things people do in their shows is quite simply that. Think of something, they write it down and then reveal it. And if you are doing that, it can become quite repetitive and it can become a little bit boring and pointless. So variety is key. Mixing it up, keeping it fresh, keeping things and doing it differently. You know, if you are doing all these reveals in your show, do you need to have 50 reveals where you're writing them down on a piece of paper and turning them around? Can you not think a little more creatively about this and thinking, okay, I've done one or two reveals at the beginning where I've written a piece of information down to show the audience. How do I mix this up? Because they don't want to see this again for the rest of this hour and a half, two hours. Can I can I use uh, elements from magic to make different magical things appear in the sky and it's going to spell out their word in playing cards? Are they going to be like letters under the audience seats and then we're going to play a game of human scrabble to divine? You can see already I'm going on this weird tangent, Aiden, but already like we're like, this is this is interesting. This is going somewhere and it's different to what people usually assume. It's different to what people expect. I think breaking people's expectations is a great way of of getting people thinking, oh, this isn't boring, this isn't mundane, it's not repetitive. They come into a mind reading show and it's like, or a magic show even, for example, okay, I'm going to see some card tricks today. Okay, I'm going to see this this chap read minds. And then you do it once. What's what's left to do? How can you freshen it up? What can you do differently? How can you surprise them? Uh, one of the great things, which I, I've, I think I've mentioned this quite a few times, Aiden, as well, is can you go beyond magic? What else can you do to go beyond mentalism? Can you incorporate hobbies? Can you take a step back and say, you know what? There's going to be this part of my show. I'm not going to do any tricks. I'm going to do something completely different. I'm going to I'm going to bring in these hobbies that I enjoy. And I, I remember um, a great example of Darren Brown doing this uh, at the beginning of one of his shows. His opener, the way he decided to open a show, no tricks, no effects, no silly little mind reading, no writing stuff on piece of paper and turning it around and saying, was that what you were thinking? He opened with a beautiful story. He was authentic and genuine about himself and everyone, everyone in the theatre was on the edge of their seats. It was something so new, so fresh, so captivating, and it was so different from what everyone expected. So I think maybe the best way to go around this, if you think that your 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 effects in your show are a bit repetitive, address it, accept it, find out ways in which you can do them so they're, they're not repetitive, but also, what can you do to get past their expectations what might your audience be expecting and what can you do to maybe surprise them do something differently so that they come in and go whoa that was different but again this is only really the surface on bringing in a little bit of variety isn't it there's so much more that you could add on and we could we could do in our shows yeah so i think I've, i just want to really make it clear that even if you're not a, a performer that writes stuff down turns it round writes stuff down turns it round writes stuff down turns it round that is not just repetitive, but it's boring as heck. Even if you're varying up the way you deliver the information, but it's still very much, what was you thinking? Aha! If, if that's all your show is, even in mentalism, if your show is very much just, I'm going to read your mind, I've read your mind, I'm going to read your mind now, now I've read your mind, even though you can change it up and actually present it slightly differently, if the principle is still the same and it's still very linear... And again, this is where mentalism sucks because it is so linear. It's you basically tell your audience where you're going. So they have to be actually interested in the journey. And this is something that we're so fond of actually making the journey interesting and the journey important. But you touched on something uh, like Darren. He opened one of his shows 
I believe it was infamous where he just sat and told a story and he, he, he just sat for quite a substantial amount of time just talking and the audience is fully captivated because you've subverted their expectations now in my shows i personally actually have a, a rule i call it the beautiful magic rule because i simply cannot write a show a mentalism show without at least one just one beautiful pieces of magic and I'm not just saying like in the middle of my mentalism show, I do an ambitious card or I'll quickly do some sandwich trick where the jokers catch the four of spades with the sign. I know it's, it's nothing trivial. It's truly beautiful. To give you an example, if, uh, if any of you are familiar with Wayne Houchin's uh, A Single Needle, which is a needle swallow act with just a single needle, I've used that and I've built the theatrics and the lighting and the sounding and all of this kind of stuff to hammer home this one moment and i've put it right at a point in my show and we'll probably talk about structure in this episode because i think that's really important but i put it in the right moment so that where my audience would usually naturally psychologically start to switch off or forget what's going on bam they're going to remember exactly what happened because it stands out because it's different and because it's just utterly different to everything else that they've seen in the show so being able to subvert expectations is really really powerful that's it's just adding strong variety into a show it's adding something different and like i say it's going beyond expectations if if your audience can come to your show and think oh i'm, I'm guessing they're probably going to do this this evening <laughs> well you've got to step up from there there's no use doing a show which is just gonna meet exactly what their pre-consumed thoughts were because if they can think and imagine your show what's the point of them coming to it at the end of the day why should they be invested why should they care because they already know what to expect there's there's no added value added reward added surprise there is there? well i think it's important to to know that not audiences not all audiences sorry will actually be thinking about oh what's he gonna do what's he gonna do what's he gonna do uh, i mean if you've been seen on tv or they've seen you before then chances are they'll think of something like oh my god is he gonna do the trick with the rubik's cubes like or something like that you insert generic thing here but if they've seen you before, they're likely to think of that. But I think new audiences, they don't know what to expect. And that kind of, in a way, is a beautiful thing because they don't know what to expect, which means that you can do anything and it's going to be amazing or interesting for them. It's going to be something that they weren't expecting. So that's kind of exactly what half of magic is. A lot of magic and mentalism is brought up upon surprise. And people believe that, that surprise is the crux of real magic, but that's a conversation for another time. So the, the point I was making there is that audiences, when they turn up to your shows, they're not always thinking about, Oh my God, what they're going to do, what they're going to do. So it's your job to make them think about what you're going to do. And that could be either done ahead of time or in your show, because if they see your first routine or your first two routines in a two hour show, and, and that's it. That's pretty much the same principle. Rinse and repeat over and over and over. Well, well they've seen your show. That It then becomes a contest of like, oh, look at me, look how clever I am. And that's the one thing that easily switches off audiences. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is really important to know. Like, we've got to be thinking, what can we do to make ourselves interesting? We've, we've touched on it adding various different elements in and and also you did touch on something a moment ago Aiden which I think and especially for Rick's question this is very very relevant what did you say the journey the journey that we go on to reveal a piece of information I think when we was looking into this for a lecture we was putting together for magic clubs 
we um i think this tip came from actually darren himself that people are more interested in the, the build-up how we gather the information how we in quotation marks maybe pretend to gather the information then reveal it and often this is this is missed in performance with a lot of mentalists and i would argue and i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that is that because most mentalists come from doing magic and and the view is on the wow the pinnacle of the trick the end finale that's where i'm going to get the claps that's what people are interested in that's the wow magical moment but with mentalism it's the in-between it's like okay they're thinking of something how am i extracting it from the head Am I using my psychic intuition? Am I using my elite psychology, body language, reading skills, whatever, to gather that information? And then you reveal it. Do you think it's because, obviously, like I say, magicians just think it's the end point that's interesting and, and forget about that, that middle, that middle journey then? That's a good question. You know, I don't want to pin it down to just being specifically magicians or just being mentalists in the way that we construct things. Um, I do think that there is naturally a difference because uh, the in traditional magic tricks, you're building to a reveal. You're building to a point. Whereas in mentalism, you, you're not particularly, again, take it with a pinch of salt here, but you're not particularly building to an element of, of, of magic in that sense because you've told them what you're going to try and do ahead of time, most likely. In, in, a, in a traditional mentalism performance, it's think of something, I'm going to try and read your mind to tell you what it is. Or think of something, I'm going to try and tell you what it is. Your audience knows what the game is here. They know, and and I think this is something interesting as well, that it, it becomes gamified. The entire routine, it, it becomes a game. And in Magic, it's like, hey, sign your name on this card. Put the card back in, look, shuffle the cards. No one knows where it's going yet. You could get right to the big finish where you literally throw the deck of cards at the ceiling and the card is now stuck to the ceiling. And then people are like, oh my God, that was the trick. That was where it was going. But within mentalism, we don't have the luxury of being able to throw someone's thought at a ceiling and then seeing it written up there. I mean, we might be able to if we, maybe that's a plot for you. But the, the, the point is actually in the way we present our routines naturally. And we're talking generally here. We can't pinpoint all of magic under the same wing and the same with mentalism. We can't put it all under the split categories because there's going to be crossovers. But the point we really need to make is that part of the journey is the end. And that's a quote freshly stolen from the Avengers Endgame movie, the trailer there, because it stuck with me for ages because I was addicted when that came out. But part of the journey is the end. That specific line, it's, it applies straight into mentalism, magic. Part of the journey is the end, that, that surprise. But that's only part of the journey. The rest of it is what happens before and after. And that's where we need to focus. And if you really, really want to make sure that your mentalism is not repetitive or redundant, be varied, Be uh, use the variety around the end or around the reveal. Like the trick should be the tiniest part of what's actually going on in the grand scheme of things. Hi guys, it's Ashley here. I just want to quickly interrupt this podcast just to say one little thing. If you do enjoy the podcast that we are currently putting out at The Successful Mentalist, uh, do us a favour and make sure to subscribe. It will honestly help us out, it will mean the world, it will help with our stats and rankings, which mean that we're then shown to more magicians and mentalists around the world, and we want to try and help as many people as possible with these podcasts. So honestly, if you could subscribe, it would mean the absolute world to us. Anyway... Back to the podcast.
exactly and like you've said there and i just want to address a point where where some people are going to be listening to this and thinking oh no i i don't present my routines there i i don't get someone to think of something and then i say oh think of something in a minute i'm going to read your mind okay do you have mind reader on your poster on your stage show poster because then your audience is going to come to your show and think okay when he asks someone to think of something he's bloody well going to guess it because it's on the blimmin poster it's a really fascinating point and that game show example is really interesting in a game show we are interested in everything and it is that journey a, a crucial journey and does this not link into character how do you reveal the information what are you doing what what are you doing beyond the trick, beyond the magic, beyond the reveals, beyond the thing with the billets and the double lifts and the gimmicks? What else is there? How are you presenting yourself? Why are you doing this? All of this, what you want your audience to experience, the purpose, your character, this is what it boils down to. And when you can nail that, then you can filter that into your routines. And that's what makes it interesting. Well, let's just unpack that for a second there. Obviously, character is going to uh, be a huge thing. And that's something that, although you might not necessarily walk out on stage and, and tell your audience all about your character like verbally, or you might not even have it all, like, I mean, if you wanted to go the extra mile and get a bit of backstory, if that's a part of your character, you can get that printed and put in, like, the program or something that you put out to everybody, or in the email where they buy their tickets, or insert bit here. But with character, you don't need to go and tell people, you just need to show people. And when you show people enough of an interesting character, people are going to pay attention. And we put, when people are paying attention, they're going to be engaged. And when people are engaged with what they're watching, ta-da! suddenly it's not redundant it doesn't always feel repetitive because so long as you've got that variety then it then it's fine and variety we're not saying go and be a variety act not, don't just whack out a song in the middle of your mentalism show or or just a, a hip-hop dance i mean if you do that then that's absolutely awesome from my perspective anyway but we're not saying go and add loads and loads of different things and become a jack of all trades it's just thinking about how you're actually delivering it and, and the character informs that Mm. But the purpose, the the purpose is really, for me, the fundamental of all of this work. Because when you understand that purpose in terms of what, what are you actually trying to do in the show? Let's, let's, let's really dumb it down right now. What are you trying to do in your show? What, what is it? Because if you're thinking something along the lines of, Oh, yeah, just uh, to make my audience have a laugh and a bit of escapism. Okay. Why? How? What? What is the point in the show? Why does your show do that? How does your show do that? What is the purpose of your show to fulfil their needs in this situation? And that's... We're being really blunt here, and I'm saying we because I don't want to take all the blame for being horrible to you all. But be really blunt with it and, and work out. What is the point in your show? Why, why are you doing it? Because when you know that, you can start building in all of the other stuff and then boil it down. What is the point in this routine? And we say it all the time because it's just so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. You're also addressing why the hell people should care in the first place. Once you nail that purpose, once you nail the thing that you want to achieve, then you've got a reason why people are going to be invested because if your job is really as deep down to improve, <laughs> improve their memory in your performances, 
well, of course they should pay attention because they're going to get this amazing thing out of it. But it goes beyond that, like looking deeper, maybe why you want to actually improve their memory, like working for the specific thing. A, a really basic exercise I guess someone could do on this and, and maybe Rick could do himself, like asking yourself, what do we want to achieve with this show? What is your purpose? Then going through the exercise of the five whys, surely. A hundred percent. It would be really, really great to actually start building that up and for those that aren't familiar with the five whys exercise, it's quite simply put out a statement and ask yourself why. In this case, I want to do this with my shows. This is what I'm trying to do with my shows. Okay, why? 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 And you ask yourself why to the statements five times and you go all the way as, as deep as you possibly can with it. And when you get to that point, you can start working out, okay, this is what I'm trying to do with my shows. This is why I'm really trying to do it with for my shows. Do my routines then live up to that? But there's also more we can do here. There's also more we can do to make our shows interesting so people actually come and go, wow, that was good. That wasn't repetitive and boring and just the same old was what I expected. I think it's having those uh, those peaks and energy dips and all of that in both yourself as a performer, but also in the shows and maybe the strengths of the effects that you that you do, right? If you're going through and just doing absolute miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle by maybe the sixth or seventh miracle, surely people are just going to be like, okay, we've seen enough. It's probably going to work. Yeah, we know it's going to happen. And there's no kind of like suspense from them. They're not thinking, are they going to predict the lottery? Oh my gosh, surely they can't predict the lottery. They're not going to do that. They're going to be like, yeah, no, we know they can predict the lottery. They're good enough. And that suspense, that element of, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. No way. Oh, my gosh, they've just done it. That, that's what's going to captivate people and get them on the edge of your seat. Because as you've said, Aiden, they already know what's coming up. Your audience, in the vast majority of mentalism shows, know what's going to come up. You're going to predict something. You're going to read a mind. And if you can get them on the edge of the seat going, are they going to do it? Oh, my gosh. And does that not come by varying impossibility levels throughout the show then? So this is a, a really interesting point in, in that a lot of performers have different approaches and different thoughts on this. For me, I do want to vary not just the level of impossibility within my shows, but also how it kind of plays out and what, what it looks like. So I know that there are performers that go out there and they try to make sure that every single reveal, every single element of their show is the absolute best. It is literally just miracle after miracle, just as you described, Ashley. And for them, it works. And it works really, really well. But for those people, it's it's not just working because it's the good material. Because, again, I've seen other performers at the same time that have tried to do the most impossible demonstrations over and over and over again, and the audience have switched off faster and faster and faster throughout the show. But for them, the reason it worked was because it was a character decision. And the variety, we're talking a lot about variety right now. The miracles themselves were relatively similar all the way throughout the show. The miracles were realistically the same. However, they were presented differently. The level of emotion and the level of impact was different from miracle to miracle. So it felt different. The audience couldn't just sit there and be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh my God, that's amazing. Oh my God, that's amazing. And in magic and, and mentalism, we, we get obsessed with trying to make awe and wonder and amazement. And these same things, whatever we define magic is, we, we, we try and 
demonstrate the same thing, that level of impossibility, the oh my gosh, we, we, we aim for that one reaction. And if I'm honest, that's not the reaction we should go for. I, I never try and go for the big, oh my God, that's a, like, oh my God, a, a wonder and awe and absolute shock and amazement. I never try to go for that repeatedly. I'll, I'll maybe aim for that once in my show. Like in one trick, I will try and be intentionally amazing. But for the rest of it, I, I'm doing other things. I'm going for other emotions. I'm trying to bring my audience on that journey. I'm trying to get them in to the show because when they get their skin in the game, then it's exciting for them. Then it's a thrill. Then it's engaging. None of it feels redundant because there's there's a level of humanity and a level of personality from your audience that informs the rest of your material. Yes, 100%. It is a humanity, it is the emotion, and it is these stories that captivate people and what people give a damn about. You'll, you'll probably um, agree with me here, Aiden, but this reminds me exactly what... Uh, I mean, just for context here, guys, we was in a webinar the other day from the lovely Eric Edmees. Uh, funny enough, we actually interviewed him uh, a few episodes ago on this podcast. And uh, he's a fascinating, fascinating and amazing. One of the best public speakers I know runs an amazing company called Speaker Nation. He's worked with some incredible people like Vishen Lakiani. He, I think he knows uh, Richard Branson, Tony Robbins. Like, he's an incredible guy. You get the point. But one of the things which he spoke about, which is so important with public speaking, is storytelling. And he gave this great, great example. He said, what were we doing? before we had TVs, what we had radios, what were we doing before we had radios? Oh, well, we had theatre. What were we doing before we had theatre? And he goes back along the line, going through books and all of that. And what was we doing thousands of years ago? And we were doing for thousands, thousands and thousands of years before that, we was all sat round fires, telling stories, listening to stories, learning from stories, sharing experience through stories. And we did it by using good emotion, putting our emotion and our feelings into it to tell those stories well. This, if you can get this right and put a good story full of emotion, or maybe just put a bit of humanity, as you said, Aiden, or just a bit of emotion in one of your routines, one of your effects, one of your one of your shows, then it's going to elevate it so much more because people are actually going to give a damn about it. And I'm not talking here about whacking in some cheesy story about, oh, I learned the, uh, <laughs> I learned this old coin trick from, uh, from my uncle when he taught me this. Anyway, shall I show you it? I'm actually talking about feeling emotion, opening up, maybe adding a bit of vulnerability in and, and sharing, sharing something a little bit sensitive, a little bit, a little bit precious with your audience, maybe bringing them into your world and, and feeling and, and opening up in that way. That will captivate people. A hundred percent. We're not trying, and again, I, well, I personally want to throw this in there, that we're not saying go and be this vulnerable person on stage because it might not fit your character and, and it might be incredibly uncomfortable for a lot of people. But at the same time, an awareness of emotions is going to be powerful as heck. You don't need to worry about, oh my gosh, how am I going to make people feel sad or or uh, in this moment or uh, really emotionally connected to me because of the, the pain that I went through. You don't need to be worrying about all of the hows and stuff. So long as you've just, uh, you're aware that that's what you're trying to do in this story or in this specific moment, then nine times out of 10, it'll, it'll come through automatically. But the emotions are key. And we talk about it all the time. I, I don't think there's been an episode uh, that we've actually 
not mentioned emotions or storytelling, especially in recent months. But that really is going to be a huge, clear success to to helping people stay engaged throughout the entire show. I mean, one of my favourite shows, and again, I'm referencing Darren because he's done this so so masterfully. Well, Svengali, his show Svengali, if you've not seen that, that was a massive chunk of Act 2, which was about the doll Svengali. And he built up an entire story around this and turned it into his routine. And it was, realistically, if you boil down some of the elements of that specific routine, we look at a PK touch, and then I'm going to read your mind, here's what it is. That, 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 that's it. And then a little bit of hypnosis on top. That's what a bunch of that routine consisted of. However, it didn't feel like these three tricks or these however many tricks. It felt like something to explore. It was part of the journey. And you don't get the opportunity to think, oh, yep, yeah, next trick. Oh, this is a cool trick. Because it's all the same thing. And if you could tell one story that weaves three mentalism demonstrations or three mind reading demonstrations or three things or three tricks at their basis, you can weave them all through one story. Then there's no divide. There's not going to be a divide in terms of this, that and the other. So that's, again, really, really important to actually consider. Well, yeah, it goes back to what we said. Darren's gone beyond the tricks there. He's gone beyond just doing a silly little trick getting a and learning something out of a book and then just doing that on stage he's gone beyond that and he's using these techniques he's using the emotion the storytelling and he's identified the whole purpose what he wants his audience to experience he's combined that together he's weaved his effects together so it's just not trick 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 it's a combination of various different things to build up a solid act it is an act it's a piece of theater it's not just a trick in itself it is something and and this is why I personally find a lot of magicians and mentalists boring, because all it is is just people think the trick's interesting, the trick's fun. Oh, this is a good trick. This has got a great finale. People forget that people are actually interested in them, themselves. I, I want to hear a bit more about the performer. I don't know about you, Aiden, but I, I, I want to feel like I've seen something more than just a card trick or a mind-reading demonstration where someone predicts the lottery. I, I want it to go a bit beyond. That, for me, makes it really interesting. That's what I enjoy. So, in short, what we're saying here is, is that people need to find out... And it, this goes back to the purpose, doesn't it? Find out the character, find out the purpose, and then surely you can backtrack from there. You know, I don't think it's necessarily a case of just trying to tell more about you as a performer. Like, yes, that's interesting, but if we all started talking about ourselves, then... As performers anyway, we're getting on stage. It could be seen as quite an ego hit. Like, oh, look at me, I'm doing something incredible. And then if we start talking about ourselves as well, then we're all going to look like absolute egotistical nonsense faces to uh, reference Ashley's intro on a, a, a previous episode. But the point we're really trying to make is that if you want a, a, a not redundant and not repetitive mentalism show, you the, the question we come back to time and time again is why should your audience care? If you take nothing away from the things that we've shared in this episode, just take away why should your audience care? And I'll be honest, when I'm writing my shows personally, I, I, I make a list of, of like, when as I'm going through, so 
as a little bit of background, I, uh, the way I write my shows is all about the audience experience in terms of not just, uh, well, hey, it's just magic. Well, hey, I, I've got a full system that I call the show flow, which is quite simply the flow of my show in terms of the engagement. It's in terms of the actual impossibility of the effects, the amount of people that are coming up on stage at any given time, what the actual routine feels like, the amount... All of this stuff and more that we've spoken about in this episode has been mapped straight into this model, if you like. But at the top of that, I'm always writing, why should they care? Why should the audience care? And that goes for everything. I make a change to my show, why should the audience care? I add a new line to my show, why should my audience care? I change the order of my show, why should my audience care? And if ever there's a time that oh, they shouldn't, then that's a question, really. That's like, a, oh, like why should why should your audience, and I'm going to get really direct here, Rick, why should your audience care that you can read their mind 20 times in a row? Maybe they, maybe, maybe they shouldn't. So then the next question is, why should your audience care that you can read their mind three times in a row? Again, may, maybe something, but maybe they shouldn't. So then we're going to boil it down one more time for you, Rick. Why should your audience care that you can read their mind in the first place? Why should they give a damn? Because you spent some time to learn some cool tricks and some new psychology or a new psychic thing to be able to intuit this information? Okay. But that's cinema. Like, you put a movie on about psychics, you go watch that for the same experience. Why should they care that you can do this now, in the moment, with them? Or for them? What are they getting out of it? Why should they care? That is the easiest way to structure routines, to structure shows, to structure everything. When you can get fully aware of these ridiculous questions, and again, you notice that I'm not asking you here, like, why should you why should your audience care that you can uh, intuit the information from whichever position their writing is on a tape i'm not asking you that i'm asking why should they care that they read your mind i'm going really really ridiculous here like i'm looking childhood level of questions stupid big bold questions boiling down our skill our craft our absolute expertise as performers into the bare bones minimum that if we was to describe it to a child that's how they'd understand it. What do you do? Well, I use a combination of body language and uh, influence techniques to be able to read someone's mind. Oh, so you read someone's mind? Uh, y yes, I, I, I read I read minds. That was an impromptu, like, back and forth between two people there, in case you didn't. Anyway, the point I'm making is that be very sort of generic, be very stupidly questionable in this. Ask yourself big, stupid questions like that that really undermine what it is that you're doing in that sense, because then you get to the heart of the situation and then that fuels everything to the point that then you can build up your passion and build up your art and and that for me is that's how i do it anyway so it might be useful for some it might not be for others but give it a go and, and let me let me know what you think ashley is there any other thoughts for for the end of this episode well yeah i'm and i mean you know me and you aiden are such big fans of community learning because there's growth in community there's growth in in togetherness that that's what tsm's all about isn't it and that's why we've put together the tsm mobile app what we're going to do is we're going to actually post this this podcast in the app post the description in the app there and what i want you guys to do is is right what was your biggest takeaway from this episode and secondly 
What do you do to make your routines, your shows interesting, not boring and not repetitive? What techniques, what advice can you share so that Rick can read through this and we can have a massive resource which other people will be able to look at, you'll be able to look at as well and see what other people do and, and this is how we're going to grow. So I would say, guys, go share your thoughts in the TSM app. But without further ado, I just want to say one last thing. Thank you for listening. Honestly, thank you for all of you across the world. It's absolutely phenomenal. 83 countries we're in as of doing this podcast. So thank you to each and every one of you that watches, shares with your friends and has subscribed. But with that said, we'll see you next week where we're actually going to be delving in a little bit deeper on the other part of Rick's question. So we'll see you then. Take care, guys. Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum, and we'll send you all of the details.